Tonight on Who Watched the Watchmen, we're covering Season 1, Episode 8, A God Walks Into a Bar, right after this ad that we have no control over. Welcome to Who Watched the Watchmen. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jason Goss. And as we do every week, let's start the show with a five-star review from Apple Podcast. And the five-star review reads, Watchmen Deep Dive from Too Broke to Prosper. I, I, I feel you. Um, I always look forward to hearing the breakdown of the episodes each week and the banter between the hosts. I love the look into the nods at the novel and lore of the world of Watchmen. I've been a fan of the podcast since the day one, and I'm excited to see their take on the ending of this dramatic story. Sweet. Yeah. Well, thank you, Too Broke to Prosper. I'm really excited to see what happens at the end of the story, too, especially after tonight, uh, or after, I guess, last night. We're recording on Monday. Uh, right. But yeah, uh, super pumped. This episode was rad, and it confirmed a lot of things we already thought. I, I almost felt like I didn't get that much new information from this episode, because we, we really, like, a lot of the things we thought had ha- we, we, th- we had predicted or theorized were, came, came true this episode. Yeah, we got a lot of confirmations that we had it either on the nail on the head or we're really close but we also got a couple of like "Ah, okay you were really close but not quite but a lot of stuff did wrap up i mean or at least expose itself in a way oh yeah we i mean we got the entire backstory of dr manhattan and told in such a cool way and in some ways we got some foreshadowing of dr manhattan we know a tragedy is coming Uh Uh, what do you think the tragedy is going to be i think a lot of the tragedy has already transpired because once they get him in the tachyon cannon Tachyons are his kryptonite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how much further he can predict things. Well, the, no, I agreed. Uh, well, I think we, he he knows there's a tragedy, and I don't think that's a tragedy yet. I think there's more. I really think well, there's got to be something more. I'm a little torn because like he's, he says it ends in tragedy, but he also spends a lot of time. They, they specifically talk about relationships. And they uh, they bring up a line that reminded me of like a Louis C.K. bit that where he says like, well, don't all relationships by definition end in tragedy. Yes. Um, it's the Louis line is like, you know, best case scenario. If you're, if you get married, you, you get to watch your best friend die. I was like, that's, okay, it's fine. <laughs> yep. Um, he, yeah, like it, they, he talks about tragedy, but he also spends the, the episode spends a lot of time talking about specifically the fact that it's a relationship. And so I lean into the idea that it's their relationship in some tragedy, not necessarily that he knows what's going on going forward because, but just because it's tacky on cannons. And he, it's the one thing. I mean, like earlier in this episode, he has the the little box. And it so reminds me of like Batman having a, a lead line box with a kryptonite ring in it, you know? Oh, yeah, man. This was, uh, it's, I love, I love the Watchmen so much because it just takes so many of the tropes of superhero things and puts them in such different, more realistic character context. Yeah. So no, much I mean, fun. It, it was the whole idea of it was in the 1980s when so many things in fiction uh, were in popular culture were being deconstructed and, and broken into their base parts. And especially in light of like the, the cold war, this was, this was a great product. There's a reason it was so resonant. Oh yeah. And it, they, I mean, it, and Lindelof and team, the entirety of them, uh, they have not lost that concept. They're doing great work with it. Yeah, for sure. And, and this episode, they do great work with, 
I mean, this is an episode from Dr. Manhattan's perspective, which is incredibly mm-hmm. difficult to pull off. Yeah. And you got to love that it jumps back and forth in time. Oh, yeah. As it's telling you the story, which makes perfect sense framing wise. It still ends. The episode ends with them talking at the beginning uh, when she finally says, agrees to have dinner with him. Like, that's how the episode ends. Mm-hmm. And, and and to him, that's how it is happening. And so, mm-hmm. so cool. And and one of the coolest moments for all this t- out of time stuff is the moment where you realize that it's possible Angela brought Will into this entire situation. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, the, the chicken and the egg paradox. And he even has this realization. And, uh, you know, uh, Watchmen's original product kind of ends with... Uh, Manhattan, well, not even ends, but the the climax is brought about largely because he he has this realization about uh, thermodynamic uh, miracles and stuff. Yeah, um, him having realizations as some kind of god being is kind of a thing we do in Watchmen in their universe. Mm. It, and it made sense in this capacity that he and, and they used chicken and egg, but I really kind of wanted a nod to Schrodinger's cat. Because I feel like it's very much, like, to me, that's more accurate. It's uh, a thing can either be um, one way or the other, and your observance of that thing may influence what it actually is Yeah. once, we, once you see it. So, my, my buddy Josh, who will be guesting on this podcast, I'm hoping we actually get to do, a, a, I'm, I'm hoping to do a midweek cast with him this week. Um, cool. Ha- have we talked about the PDPD on here? Pedia, uh, the what? Pedipedia. Someone mentioned. Someone sent. <laughs> Maybe not. Someone it sent. Sounds it to like us. a cyclopedia of pedophiles. E- okay. Yes. That that may be. Uh, <laughs> someone in one of our first weeks of casting sent us this, and I thought it was. They said uh, it was something HBO had put out some some auxiliary oh, materials. Yeah. The uh, the little. Yeah. I did. I did. I did not read them in depth. I scanned them. Right. Well, it turns out they've been releasing three or four files every week. So okay, we've for every episode there definitely have been not seen that. Every episode <laughs> there've been like four to eight pages of of extra materials, very similar to the way the comic book is structured, where at the end of it each book there's there's a bunch of new there's a bunch of materials. Um, I do love that. So I kind of wish we'd been keeping up with that. But I, I, I wish I had to, oh, well. and I haven't had time this week. Once I learned that it was as extensive as it is, I haven't had time to go deep into it. But Josh has. Josh has read every page of it, and he's cool. been taking notes, and he's hopefully going to come on the cast midweek and do a breakdown of what's what all is in the PDPedia. Uh, but nice. Uh, it was really neat because a lot of the stuff he'd already told me from PDPedia was actually confirmed in this episode. Um, like... Um, Captain Metropolis left all of his riches to William. Did Which you, makes did sense. Did you catch that? Yeah, it was. Yeah. it's actually weirdly sweet. You know, we, we talk a lot about how the the morally gray nature of all of the characters in Watchmen, especially in the original comic, and in here they paint Metropolis as someone who is egalitarian in private, but in public is willing to toe the line and and literally have like Jim Crowish blackface posters that he's posing with. Yeah. To sell bonds and shit at a bank. I mean, it, like, it's, he's very much a two-faced individual, but it, it's kind of made sense that in some way he, he did really love him and he, he does leave him that stuff. Yeah. If only as a, a, an apology, I guess. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. And it also says that he worked at a, uh, that William uh, ends up going and working at a movie theater for years after where one of the only places we find out he's been in the meantime, the last like 60 years or whatever, he's been yeah, working at a movie theater. Though. But that's the thing. I think he's been experimenting with mesmerism. 
That's the thing that I think about William. Could be. Uh, we know he got it down to a science. He's getting all Fight Club on this stuff. Man, I, I'm, I'm, I've got red strings all over the place. But we'll, we'll go into that a lot when Josh is on the show. It makes sense for him as a character without that, just because it's a place that he was, he felt safe. Like that's to me, it's true. meaningful that's that true. he was in that theater the day that the the massacre happened, and his mom was crying, trying to continue to play the notes to to make that. Like she tried to keep the fiction of his childhood alive as long, like to the last fucking second. And it was a real powerful scene for me because, like, that's clearly like she just she knows it's yeah. all about to crumble, and she's giving him one last damn thing. You mm-hmm. know? And she's trying to play that music like as much and as loud as she can just to drown out the world outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great point. And for him to come back to that later, it makes total sense for him as a character that he, that that would be a safe space. Yeah. So you you mentioned Schrodinger. And, uh, and mm-hmm. that, and that's, that's something I wanted to bring up, uh, because we, uh, that's another thing we've been talking about. So there's all this stuff about tunnels in, in this, um, show. Wade talks about how, how he's been in a tunnel and his tunnel is related to the fact that he, um, has basically been scared for a really long time. Uh, and he's, he, you know, he hasn't been able ever, ever since, ever since the, uh, ever since the squid fall, you know, mm-hmm. um, then tonight uh, and last week, the tunnel was referenced, the love tunnel that John goes into and becomes Cal. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, another connection uh, that I had not thought of, um, I, I, a lot of this is comes from conversations with my buddy Josh, who will be on the show this week. We're, I'm excited because we've been like, we've been nerding out about this stuff all week. Just really hard. I love it. Uh, you know who John Calvin is? The oh. The, uh, God, that's ringing a bell. As soon the, as you tell me, I'm going to remember. Uh, he's the um, oh gosh, Protestant Reformation. Uh, yes, Calvinism. Who was about Calvinism? Who and predetermination? Predetermination. Uh, One hundred forty thousand, or I think. Right, right. Well, just uh, his 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 main treatise is predetermination. Like God yeah. knows everything that will happen. Uh, we have a character in the show that knows everything that will happen, and guess what? His two names are. <laughs> John and Calvin. Calvin. That is so yeah. fucking good. Oh, I love well it. Well played. I love it so well much. Well played. Oh, oh he man. even says I like the name. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and I, <laughs> and I imagine he's he's making that connection. Ugh. Anyway, so John is going into the tunnel that is Calvin in the in this episode. Um, yeah. They call they call it the tunnel of love with the soundtrack. By the way, I love that. Yes. I really loved the the kind of that beat where he says, and your favorite song will play right now. She's like, I've never heard that thing. He's like, yeah, it's not your favorite song yet. It's <laughs> not yet. It will be. I love how in the course of her conversation with him, if you look at it from her perspective, it just sounds like a really damn clever pickup line. Like the whole thing is oh, like, yeah. okay. I mean, I don't know if this game is going to work on me, but this is a funny conversation. I'll hear you out. I'll, I'll have a beer at your expense. This is at here. least entertaining. Yeah, I, yeah. I'll, I'll enjoy this. Like, at the very least, like, if somebody came up to you, if you were in a bar and somebody came up to you and said, like, well, I'm a time traveler, I'd be like, I'm going to buy you a drink and we're going to talk. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. But yeah. if, if I looked in your eyes and you believed you're a time traveler, we're having a chat. One of my favorite uh, moments where I just wanted to meet some girls that were at a table. Uh, yeah. I, was, I was at a subway and it was full. Like, the subway was full. And I had just recently listened to a podcast where it said that uh, apparently in Europe, it is very common for them to just seat people together. Like they don't, uh, they don't always, you don't get your own table. Like if, if two, oh, if two people yeah. come in and there's two people at a table, they'll just sit them at a four top. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and that's, that's apparently something that happens I've, in some countries in Europe. 
I've been at restaurants in Birmingham that have started being like, now I'm dead. You got two seats available. Sorry. Y'all get along. Yeah. No, <laughs> make I, it work. That's that happens. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, uh, so I walked up to this table of, of girls and I was just like, so in Europe, uh, <laughs> I just like, sat, I just like presumptuously sat with them and said, so in Europe, uh, it's considered totally normal to sit groups that don't know each other together. <laughs> right. <laughs> it totally worked. Came friends with those people. <laughs> nice. And my, my buddy came out and like, why are we sitting with them? I'm like, Shh, just go with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> roll, man, roll. Oh, man. Yeah, it was good. Uh, anyway, yeah, the, the, so the, the, my, 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 my thing, bringing up all these tunnels, the, the tunnel that I think is in most interesting uh, is, so you brought up Schrodinger. And the idea uh-huh. that when something is observed, something is um, the, the the decision isn't made till it's observed. The fact that Doctor Manhattan exists with the power that he has has been locking the world onto rails. In a way, yeah, because he's observing. So this whole quantum miracle, the quantum reality that could be happening, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it could, there's a lot of options that could be happening, but because Dr. Manhattan observes everything, he is changing. He is making those electrons lock into place as it were. He is. I'll, I'll give you two, I'll give you two great, uh, I, I don't know, examples of why I think you're onto something there. Like one, he is the clockmaker's son and that's a theme they hit with him often. Right. Um, the, the, and the idea being this, uh, you know, you remember the, the deist philosophy of the, the clockmaker god? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You set it in motion. What happens, happens. Uh, you know, destiny is manifest and uh, God is merely observing it himself. Yeah, that's a good point. And in this case, a clockmaker made this boy uh-huh. named John. And then when he was made, it locked the world into, into what it is. That's that's a, a really and interesting way of looking at it. Think of this also. He regrets his actions in Vietnam, but he also chose says, to go. Have you never done something that you regret? And she's like, "Well, but." And she actually calls him on it and says, "Like, well, if you knew you existed now and then as well, like you you knew you were going to regret it, so why'd you do it?" And he just says, "And it's so fucking human." Have you never done something you knew would regret? And I was like, "Oh God, I have done so many things." That I knew I would regret. I've never conquered a country, but, you know, <laughs> right. I've had a couple of drinks I shouldn't have had. And so- I, I think that that's also, though, foreshadowing her decision to to go with John, to have dinner yes. with him. Yeah, there's a theme they're, they're banging on there pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, because he's like, it will end in tragedy. And, and I think there's some way she knows she's going to regret it. She knows she's going to be in pain, but she still decides to go to dinner with him and still decides to be with him for 10 years. Oh, and for that reason, by the way, it, did it did it occur to you how many episodes of, of this show so far have ended with Angela saying something along the lines of either, what the fuck, or fuck it, or, uh, hey, baby, we're fucked, or something like that. Yeah. Like, a lot of the last big drop the hammer lines are, are her using a different version of the word fuck, and I really enjoy it in a way. Yeah. Mm. man there's so much going on here i freaking love it um so so speaking of this whole tunnel thing so it seems that the clockmaker made the sun and then once the sun attained his powers the world has been locked in this tunnel as it were and now i i have to think 
what we're what we're what we're going to face is somehow getting out of that tunnel. Now that makes me think the tragedy is going to be the death of Doctor Manhattan, but because it feels that way, that makes me think it's not going to happen. With this show and a Lindelof in general, yeah, it might go the way the other way on you. Also, they they foreshadowed. I mean, it, to some extent, what we are doing right now. Like as, at the end of this episode, he's sucked into this uh, tachyon cannon, uh, teleported against his will. If you watch the previews for the next episode, you know that. You know that the, they're going to go try to go through with their plan, and um, it, as they reference several times, he he literally goes down on a knee and he says, "I leave it in your hands." the The decision of whether to ever bring him out of that, and there's something for him so thrilling about not knowing. Like it, it's a thing that, that we hit with uh, Doctor Manhattan as a character in any property that. For him to know what he knows, the idea that he doesn't know something, like even when Vite tries to kill him, he kind of says, like, well, I should thank you. That was kind of fun for a second. You know, that kind of thing. Um, when when he tells her that, he specifically says, I'll leave it in your hands. And then later, he sits there in admiration of her as she tries to save him and for sure would have died without him. Without his intervention, it was over. And then he, again, he tr- he... He could, it seems like he could have saved himself. Like even I know it's a tachyon cannon, but doesn't it seem like with someone with his powers that he could have, you know, turned the truck into steam or turned the whatever the, the speech is from the comedian in the original? Right. Um, well, no, that's the thing. It, that I he absolutely could have, and he had the foreknowledge that that guy was going to be there. He leaves it up to her again. He puts mm. himself in this situation that he doesn't know the outcome of, and he completely leaves it in her hands. I think that's. Oh, important. I don't think I don't think that's true. I, I, he fully knows the outcome of the situation. He's known all See, along. I'm still. I mean, I, I I don't have any I don't have any way to tell you that that's definitely a wrong interpretation. But I just took a different tact from it. I think the the relationship is the tragedy, and that at at the very least, it's a tunnel, and he still doesn't know. And even then, if, even if it's just that he doesn't know. You know, actually, I, I think it works both ways for what I'm saying now that I say it out loud. I think the fact that he doesn't know about their relationship and where it's going now, like after the 10 year mark. Um, right. And the fact that he doesn't know where this story is playing out with Cyclops and everything else. Um, that's still just the tunnel. And it's something they've been, you know, telegraphing their punch on for a while. Now, see, I, I don't think that's right. Uh, according to him back in back in Vietnam when he's sitting there with her, he knows how long the relationship lasts. He knows that it ends in tragedy, even at that table. Like, I think he fully knows what happens after he comes out of Calvin. He The only thing he didn't know was what the, the experience that Calvin would experience uh, before he experienced them. That's the only restriction he's got a 10-year gap. Yeah, but he knew then, what would happen after that. So I think he knew exactly where that guy was behind that cannon. He knew exactly. He even says, he says, this is the moment I fell in love with you. And she says, is that supposed to be romantic? And you just now fell in love with me? He's like, no, I've loved you all along, but this is the yeah. moment that makes me love you. Like this moment that you fight for me anyway. And 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 so he he's experienced all this before. He knew every bit of this would happen. He's been experiencing this all along as long as he was Dr. Manhattan. The only time he didn't was when, when he was Calvin. So I think he knows what this tragedy is. I think he, he may, knew that but guy I, was on I the cannon. I also wonder to what extent he would let himself get dragged into that because he did just God hand this situation. I mean, he's, he's a perfect deus ex machina, right? Right. She's pinned. It's, it's hopeless. I mean, I, I was kind of hoping some other vigilante showed up maybe because she was done. And then 
you know, he obviously shows his hand, goes out there, and by the way, sidebar, I did not know how much I wanted to watch Dr. Manhattan blow a bunch of heads off some white supremacists to a Nine Inch Nails soundtrack until I saw it, but oh my God, it was satisfying. <laughs> that is it your, was so good. That is your paradise. <laughs> that is your paradise that he's built for you. It was fantastic. But he also, like, it could, to me, it could still be both of what we're saying. I don't think that's true, but because <laughs> he said it, he said it de- definitively that he knew what, he knows what's going to happen all along. Like he, he knew it back when they were in Vietnam together. He said that well, I mean, explicitly. All right. To the extent that, well, all right. Minimally, what I'm saying is that maybe if he, maybe even if he knows he has to leave her in the blind spot because he also oh, yeah, says for sure. he several her. times that. He, he says I mean, he she won't jokes tell with her. him. He's like, "Well, you know what the tragedy is? Can't you tell me?" And he just kind of Im- almost imperceptibly smirks and says, "No, I won't tell you." He says, "No, I won't." And that's what I—that's where I'm get. I want to get to because I think that's okay. the case. So, what what I see happening here is okay. When he's a young boy, when John's a young boy, he uh-huh. meets the original Phillips and Crookshanks, and great. He, Great origin story for those right. two, by the way. Great origin story. It's wonderful. The whole thing is wonderful. Uh, but they sit him down, and I think this is going to be really important. They sit him down and say, um, "We do. We're, we did your family this favor. Here's your. Here's a Bible. But we need you to do something for us." And he says, "What?" And they said, "We need you to take your life and make something beautiful." Mm-hmm. So it, it is played in that scene as John choosing to make his paradise and that's the beautiful thing that he made but i don't think that's it because john is continuing to do things that don't make sense including getting captured by that uh ion cannon or whatever uh tachyon cannon that's right tachyon cannon um the the tachyon he let he let that guy capture him he also he also built this world for vite including this weird horseshoe situation. He built a hatchery of clones, even though it seems that only two existed while he was there. Yeah. Um, he built a hatchery. He built that world, not for himself, but for Vite. And I think he did that. He looked at the entirety of the situation because he could see everything that was going to happen. And he, he is trying to build something very similar to Vite in the, in the last, he had this master plan put together and I think that Dr. Manhattan is has some sort of plan to build something beautiful. Now, I don't know if it'll work, but I think that he is trying to do something, uh, whether it be with, I think maybe he's trying to avert disaster. Vite says, I was, I was gambling. You with what? That you had morals. Right. Yes. Uh, and, and, and he thinks he was wrong. Um, but what I love is Vite has been getting more and more frustrated with this paradise world. Right? Yeah. I think the reason he's getting more and more frustrated is because he's realizing that he is having his strings pulled. Uh, in the first time we see him, they hand him that uh, horseshoe. Yeah. And he just looks confused. He's like, what? Then the next time they hand it to him, it's like four years later. And he hands him a horseshoe and he goes, not yet. So sometime in there, he found out what that, that, that that horseshoe was intended for him. And it sounds like it was intended for him on his anniversary. So I have a feeling that Manhattan gave instructions either like through their DNA or programmed them somehow to mm-hmm. 
have them give him that horseshoe on his birth on his anniversary there not knowing maybe maybe didn't tell them which anniversary so they've been trying to give him this horseshoe for seven years and then this time they finally gave it to him and he realized because at some point that he had to have a conversation with them like why do you keep trying to give me a horseshoe on, on my anniversary and he's and they're like Oh, I don't know. We just, it's programmed. God told us to, or something like that. God told us on your anniversary to give you a horseshoe. And then on this particular one, their God told them to do that and they sneak it in. And then this happens to be the anniversary he needs it. You know what I mean? I think that's what this horseshoe situation is. And he needs the predestination to to even the horseshoe. Yes. And I, I think that everything that's set up in that world, and I think that's why Vite is getting frustrated. He's realizing that everything that was set up in this world, he, John is using this paradise world to craft Vite into an instrument that he needs. Just like Vite has this master plan and he used to be the mastermind, he is now mm-hmm. a pawn in in John's plan to do what? We don't know. But I think it's to make something beautiful. I don't, we don't know what that is, but I think he's trying to make something beautiful. Well, I wonder, though, there are a couple pieces that I... I mean, as far as his emotional journey, I, to some extent, especially given the trial of last week and all that, I, I, I kind of, I think Vite teeters on the edge of like his narcissism winning out and him thinking, you know, I, I know, I know because I am me that I made the right decision, and you know, never a better narcissist has there been. I mean, he's he's definition. Oh, for sure. He go he goes there to be worshipped, and then he leaves there because he he they don't need him. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. That's part of part of his emotional journey was that like, and I loved, I really loved the conversation that him and uh, Manhattan have. Is uh, he he kind of says like, I need the one thing in return, and I don't really know what he's angling at. I don't I don't really know what he wanted, what he was going to suggest. I guess as much as when. Manhattan tells him, like, no, I, I, I created life. I, I, I did all that. I, you know, I, I made this perfect world, and it was, it was boring because there were no stakes, is, is effectively what he says. Their love is infinite, therefore unsatisfying, is what he says. Yeah. Ugh. It's, um, if you can't take chances, there is no reward. It's the gambler problem from the Twilight Zone episode. And Adrian, Adrian goes, goes there to be worshipped. And I loved, oh my God, Jeremy Irons just saying, like, Yes, God, thank you. That would be nice. He's like, he yes, says. yes, John, please. Take, send send um, me there to be worshipped. I'm ti- He's tired. He has that whole conversation. He's tired. It's been however many years. He's gotten no recognition. He's sitting there stewing, thinking about how he's... And by the way, he's still controlling uh, the, the world in a way, like him sending the squids through interdimensionally. Right. Well, that, that but... <laughs> it, it, well, he's it, they're not interdimensional, but yeah, the, the, he's, he's teleporting them there, it seems well, like. Uh, he, yeah, he's... At least creating the illusion of that. But but the thing about that is, he's not controlling the world. Because apparently, whatever Redford is doing, he's not doing everything Vite says. And and, and Vite... Th- oh, no. He, Vite put him in power, and now, you know, it sounds like he's, he's resisting. Yeah, he's still frustrated about, like, I gave you everything, and you still want to build these giant fuck-off weapons. Well, the bombs, he talks about the nuclear reactor that's melting down. He's, he's like, I... I, I I tried to do everything you needed. I gave you everything you needed, and you just won't listen to me. I'm trying yeah. to give you peace, but th- th- and that 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 all ties into this whole free will argument. Like all these people are being screwed over by their own free will, and and Vite thinks if they just listen to him, they would know. And then you've got Doctor Manhattan who is playing real hard with Angela's free will. Mm-hmm. Something they do in the comic 
and in the movie is John is so aloof that he never truly, uh, he never really tells people the future. They're always like, you, 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 you would, you knew that was going to happen. And he's like, yeah, but it didn't matter life or death. It doesn't matter. You know, he just, he doesn't, he doesn't give people their information they need because he's just so aloof in this. He told Angela they were going to have a fight. He told Angela they were going to, that he, that she was going to tell him to leave and then he, and then she did it anyway. Well, he does that in the original, though. I mean, in in the original book, he he also tells Laurie like you're you're gonna get mad at me. Well, no, he says you're gonna cry, and that's that's the thing. He tricks her almost. He says you're gonna cry. He doesn't tell her why she's gonna cry or that she's gonna succeed. Like she thinks she's going to fail and cry, but in the yeah. comic book, so like he he very carefully doesn't tell people. Like, their path. See, in this, it seems like he's done two things that are different from the comic book. One, he's telling people, this is what we're going to do. And he's also doing it to people that... He's not doing it willy-nilly. He's just doing it to people that he already knows, we're going to be so close that I can trust you with this. So, I, I don't think it's necessarily uncalculated. Like, to me, it really does feel like he's loosening his belt a little bit. Like, no, I can... I can open up here. I know how this works out. And he even talks about her having a safe space with him. Because she never had any security. And now, in a way, he has that because he knows what their future is together. Um, and I love how that I love how she resents him for that, even pointing it out, and that that starts their argument. And even though they're talking about how we're not going to argue, they end up doing it. And mm-hmm. he's like giving sideline commentary. Is like, yeah, we're about to. All right, we're in it now. All right, <laughs> we're in the argument now. And she's yeah. like, you damn right. <laughs> yeah, and and it still seems to happen organically on screen. But he also does something in this one that I've never really seen before. Is uh, it, in any of the Doctor Manhattan products? Is he he has a conversation between his future and his past in a way that he creates possibly a new outcome based on that conversation. He he goes through a lot of effort in the previous properties to keep himself unobtrusive. Like when somebody says, well, you already knew this was going to happen. He says, yeah, but you just told me right now. And he, he adheres to their timeline. He, our timeline. Right. Um, he doesn't interject, I guess. And then in this case, it seems like he almost gets taken aback. Like, Oh, I guess I did create a problem. Yeah. It's almost like he's trying to be less uh, frustrating. He says in one, in one moment, he says, uh, the way I view time is, is, is unique and it's particularly frustrating to you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I get it. That would be super frustrating. Oh, yeah. But he, he's kind of breaking new ground as a character in, in this property in this episode. I don't think he's ever really done that chicken and egg thing before. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about eggs real quick. Uh-huh. I think there's something going on with the eggs. Uh, he, he says, I, I think it's it's very clear what's going to happen uh, in this final They keep act. hitting the imagery of the egg throughout this episode. Well, apparently, and I didn't know this, this is Josh, because Josh... Uh, has is, is a bit obsessed like like we are, but uh, maybe even more so because he's read every freaking <laughs> thing. Uh, I really hope to get him on the cast this week. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's really enjoying it. But um, there's apparently been egg imagery throughout the entire show. Oh, I mean, episode one, she does the smiley face with eggs. Yes, yes. Um, and apparently, there's more. I I have not noticed. I haven't gone back to see what they are. I can't think of any at the top of my head. I believe him, but I can't think of any at the top of my head. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Um, this episode, he talks about how he can imbue his power into an into a biological thing and let someone consume it. Yeah, he can make Manhattan sperm. Yes. So, 
But okay, she well, also, now, now you took it to a weird place because I have to consume it. So basically, he can <laughs> give away his power through blowjobs, is what you just said. Uh, but yeah, that's not much, what I yeah. was getting at. But uh, she, they do a thing that I, I think this is where you're going, though, is like she she takes his egg and just cracks it into his beer and he just consumes it. Yes. As, as if to say two things. One, no, you don't understand. I really am super. Um, I'm, I'm not a normal person. Like, that is the first moment where she cocks her head and was like, I don't know if this. This guy ain't right. Yeah, that was weird. That was weird um, what you just did. Because he just downs it, no problem. And then, two, it, it also, like, when he says he can do that, did you leave wondering, like, <laughs> did was that in that egg? Did he did. do the thing he was saying at that moment? I definitely thought that. Uh, the thing that I am almost certain of, though, is that he is going to give his powers probably to Angela. Oh, yeah. I think we're dealing with, like, a watchwoman future yeah and, and there, there are multiple reasons it, it could be someone else it could be someone else it could be wade it could be could be a lot of different people yeah but i think he's going to give his power to someone uh, mostly because he, he brought he brings it up multiple times uh they also show him making pancakes and i almost thought she waffles. breaks oh waffles okay she breaks the eggs that are yes. about to go into the waffles and uh, I was like, oh, I think he might have been making Manhattan waffles. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, was he <laughs> was he getting ready to feed her power? I don't know. Uh, but e- either way. In his world, you realize he's about to die. And he's like, fuck it, I'm going to make some waffles. Well, I think I'm hungry. We don't know he's about to die. We know there's a tragedy coming. We know it's going to be bad. And I, I just love that his, like, bunker activity is, I'm going to make some waffles. Right. Which made me think he's trying to do something more than just make waffles especially knowing that she's going to break the eggs which he must have known at that point yeah he he knew he had to know uh he knows everything that's going to happen to him so uh the thing that the thing that I, I they keep bringing that up and and then the the other big piece of evidence for me that someone related to angela is going to get those powers is that um she he goes out and walk uh, walks on the pool, and when she comes out and says, what are you doing? We have to go. And she, he's like, no, you need to see me walking on this water. Yeah, I didn't know what to do with that. I think that's because he's trying to lay it in her head. I think that he is building some sort of storyline. Now, you realize she also said before something about her walking on water. Yeah. Like, there's... That that may be something they're building in in particular. Right. No, I think I think for sure. I think they're I think they're building towards her having his abilities and he needs to teach her certain ones of them because he knows which ones she's going to need in the moment she's going to need them. And oh, I, I think like that. I think there's going to be a like scene that. in a few, you know, in this week, uh, this coming week where she is she either she or someone with her. I could kind of see Topher actually. Couldn't you see Topher <laughs> as a little Manhattan? <laughs> right yeah, like he's already he's already kind of disassociated and sociopathic seeming and like give topher the powers of manhattan and see what happens like he's, old child he's got manhattan. the aloofness down pat what if sure. she has to raise a little manhattan like that could i, I could absolutely see that but who would be more qualified right exactly no one should be fantastic at so i think he's going to give his powers to someone and then some and then she's going to either have to do it herself or lead someone to use those powers and so she has to know the powers that are available to her. And one of those is apparently walking on water. That's that's my theory. I don't know. Well, it, it could have to do with the powers, and it could also just have to do with maybe some grounding moment where she's never seen him walk on water. She's heard him describe the fact that he can. Right. But for him, that was not too long ago. I mean, that was uh, in Calvin's life 
a couple months ago because yeah. uh, I, I mean, there's a 10 year gap and a couple months before that was like that first date where she's talking, he's talking to her about like I created life and did all this stuff. Um, or the first meeting, I guess, or it, anyway, she's just, it, it is described to her that he walked on water and she, she takes note like, Oh, you can do that. And I, you know, the, the Christ imagery is, is, it's palpable. Oh, for sure. To ignore that would be obscene. That, that make that makes it even more feel like he's going to die. The fact that he's walking on water, like he's going to be the sacrifice that's required. Yeah. This tragedy and he's that's literally, coming. he's, he's literally a displaced Jew. I mean, it, it that's it, true. It's, hard not to think okay they're using part of that imagery here speaking of he's raised in germany um yeah and we know and so he has family from germany his father's german uh we know that william uh had that letter and so we still have never had that tie back in the letter about you know you have friends here in germany uh so i feel i still feel like that might tie in somehow um we still have no idea how william and true Got together? No, it, we know that he pointed him toward, or she uh, apparently pointed him towards Tulsa. We know that, but other right. than that, we don't really know. We don't really know what True's connection is to a lot of this. Other no. than the fact that she has a device in play, and we don't know what it's about to do. And we think she's probably somehow connected to Vite. Yeah. And timing-wise, you know, I, I think they played with the timing of exactly when these last two episodes happened on an hourly basis, but timing-wise... She was on a countdown. They're on a countdown. I think we're we're dealing with the same, you know, all, all the pieces are moving at the same time. So I think there's a, there's a line about imagination, mm-hmm. and he laughs, and, and she says, "You've got a pretty big imagination." And then six months later, um, he says, "Vite says you lack imagination. You have a profound lack of imagination." Yeah, and he laughs both times. And I love that Vite's like, "Oh, and you laugh now. This must be serious." Right. The thing that they're trying to say that they they make you think is that that laugh is because he is um he is experiencing both those times at the same moment and even says so. But mm-hmm. my thinking is if he has some sort of master plan that he has orchestrated to train Angela in the way she needs to be trained, possibly train Topher, uh, possibly train even Lori. He has conversations with Lori as Cal that maybe he's pointing her in the right direction. Um, maybe uh, he definitely he points William in a in a direction. He might have some connection to Lady True. We just don't know. I think that mm-hmm. he has orchestrated all of these things in his attempt to make something beautiful, and that when he laughs, part of his laugh is. You think I have no imagination, but you just have never seen me try to create like I am trying to create now. I think he's he's been up in space so long, and he thought of maybe he is somewhat inspired by Veidt's vision of this perfect world. He's trying that's to do something part, similar. Yeah, it, it, as far as a beautiful thing goes, that's the part I think that he might be trying to do. Is like, especially they even go back to how heartbreaking it was to to read or to see. Vite be told after all this risk, uh, be told by, you know, the on hand in person, you can actually see him God. Um, you know, in the end, was it worth it? Nothing ever ends, really. Um, that's that's got to be crushing, like to put that much faith in your own agenda. I mean, I, I know it comes from a narcissistic place and faith in, in your own agenda is different for true narcissists than it is for the you know regular persons. But it, but for him, he. It was such a big risk. And for Dr. Manhattan to essentially just shrug his question off and be like, I don't know, man. Uh, mm. 
for him later to bring it up now and and to hit that point again about nothing ever really ends and in the same conversation that he he brings up you know i i did create something i created something better than than what i've seen here it's it's people that want nothing more than to help other people and all that um yeah, i mean yeah you're right it could be a giant mislead that like maybe this was just his his draft of a better plan or all just part of some bigger plan it could easily be that as well because i don't think there's a draft here i think he knew from the beginning how this would turn out but he created it because it's pushing vice well, you're right in the right you're direction right. he would have pointed he would have pointed everything in that direction so he, he would have had vite there for a reason and i do i mean the predictability of vite wanting to be there is is palpable as well like he he would of course vite wants to be there that's like the narcissist heaven and then you get there and you realize no it's hell there's no you didn't mm-hmm. earn anything yeah um yeah for that for that to be part of his plan i get it the only one of the only lines from early on i think maybe maybe even the first episode that i'm still a little confused by is the fact that vite is writing this uh, play in five acts i think he said yeah about you know the watchmaker's son i still don't know to what extent extent because on the one hand, he's Vite is is up there. Uh, he he thinks it's a paradise at first, as he describes in a monologue, and then he comes to realize it's a prison, and he's trying to escape. And then all of his subordinates in this situation are literally punishing for punishing him for wanting to escape. You mm-hmm. know, in that in that post credit scene, uh, which by the way, that is the same actor, and good for him. That Ichabod Crane from Sleepy Hollow is apparently really stretching his wings, but. Oh, I didn't realize that was Ichabod Crane. Is that Ichabod Crane? The, yeah. Uh, Phillips? Yeah. Whoa. Right? I did not know. I, I guess without the beard. Right? He had a beard yeah. in that show, right? Oh, he did. Yeah. He always I, had a good half inch almost. Um, but yeah, like it, it's a good scene and it talks about like, well, is, is heaven not good enough for you? And he says, well, no, I, I need to be needed and all that. And it's a good psychological turn and everything with the horseshoe is, man, that, there's a lot to interpret there. But the fact that he's even there, the fact that Vite gets there, the fact that he's trying to escape, the fact that he tries to spell out, which I, I think in retrospect we can pretty well assume that, you know, help me D is help me doctor, whatever. Um, probably help me Dr. Manhattan. Still, uh, still th- there possibly are those, help me Dan. Or help me daughter. Yeah, possibly. Uh, a lot of people think True might be his daughter, and so could be daughter. But being that Europa is so far away, and they... they specifically say a couple times it's 390,000 miles away. Um, the, the the distance alone kind of makes you think, eh, well, you know, I mean, I, I think this is so remote that only maybe Manhattan would know he was still there. And I, you well, wonder to what I don't extent know. he Vite, doesn't Vite know. Vite knew that he was there. Vite knew that Manhattan was there. So it's possible for a human to know that someone is there. And with the teleportation technology they've been experimenting with. It is possible. But it's also Vite we're talking about. He could be literally the only person who could figure it out. True seems like she's pretty on his level. I don't yeah, you know. She she's up there. She's for sure up there. And maybe that's her great plan is to bring him back. And that would make sense because he wants to come back. Yep. And I think he will come back this ep- this next episode. Oh yeah. Now the producers have said like uh that this is happening. Vite's reality and the reality that we're being shown are are happening uh th- at the same time it i know they kind of essentially said i know it looks like a different time but these are related oh yeah so i get that also like 
did you get a feel for especially during their trial and everything else that Vite has this feeling that I think he has this underlying this like back of his head voice even as a narcissist that keeps telling him you ruin everything you touch oh yeah you're a, no you're I think there's a lot of self-doubt see that's the fact and that's something that uh uh, Dr. Manhattan doesn't have to experience. He doesn't have to experience no. self-doubt at all. You know, I mean, he just knows the future and the past. Yeah. You don't have to have doubt. I mean, it's as humans, we're gifted this ability to to wonder. And that can be a real problem at times for some of us. And, and other times it's uh, really liberating. But for him, I, I wondered, like, I mean, especially during the trial when he refuses to defend himself for a whole year and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much doubt and and loneliness, as he points out when he's talking about the book, and you wouldn't understand and all that. Uh, I, I just it's become this place where his isolation has fed into that voice in the back of his head, where I think he he wonders a little bit: Did I ruin the world that I was on, and then did I come to paradise and ruin that too? I think he I think he believes that he stopped nuclear Armageddon, yeah. but the question he keeps asking is: Was it worth it? Like, did I did I cause all the suffering and just going to end anyway? Well, it's Dan's question. I mean, it's well, it's not even Dan's question. It's Dan's accusation. You didn't save us. You deformed us. I'm yeah. paraphrasing, but yeah, 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 absolutely. Speaking of, I love how they tie into that that moment of the comic with uh, saying that the uh, the field generator was Plan B. Uh, and, oh yeah, and Plan the, B blow you up. Plan A. Amnesia. amnesia yeah so so he's got this plan a uh and and that that just it was just really neat it was just really nice was cool. tie in to the comics like that this thing's just been sitting here with tachyon and covered in tachyon particles waiting yep. for the moment you needed it yeah that was really cool no, um similar thing are you kind of hoping because i am that i mean he's been name dropped a little bit and he's he's kind of one of those people who's present even through his absence but i i would really like some kind of opinion from Alman after all this not Alman, uh night owl after all this mm. did the first episode <laughs> yeah i'd love to see him again i don't think we're gonna give him this season because there's just too much to do in one episode if there's another season i think we will get night owl again i also think they probably want to cast a great actor and they probably blew the budget uh, with you know Jeremy Irons, and I still don't know the name of the actor who's playing Doctor Manhattan, but he's amazing, and I know he's he's, he's, um, he's a somewhat big name as well. So, and I, it's one of those three names that I had trouble memorizing. I mean, he's he's great. Like there hasn't been a single ball dropped acting wise this season. It's been phenomenal that way. The, like the, yeah. the sheer production of the show is is uh, you know HBO quality, man. I mean, it's it's, it's truly phenomenal, but um. I, I kind of do, just because the bird is in the cage, so to speak, I wouldn't mind kind of hearing something about it. I don't have to see it. I don't have to see him. I don't need some appearance or anything. I just I wouldn't mind a little shout out to it, the fact that he was in the cage before and, and Laurie Blake has gone through so much effort now. Yeah. And, and was it worth it in that respect? Yeah. I'd love to see it for sure. For sure. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Any other big moments uh, that you want to talk about on this episode? Ah, uh, it's probably several. I I I would sum up my feelings about the episode by saying I I feel like it's the most satisfying in a way of right. the episodes I've seen so far hmm. because it it just did nothing but answer my questions for you know sixty two minutes or whatever. Yeah, it was. I found myself at the end of this. Uh, 
feeling a little empty because every other episode has asked so many questions that I spent the next two days like going over in my head, like every piece of information, trying to like figure out exactly what was going on. And yeah. this episode, I was like, oh, well, uh, they just said a lot of the things I thought were going on and they confirmed them all. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, we got a lot right. Oh, yeah, the, for but, sure. And, and I mean, they, they've, they've, they've left a lot of anyone that's really paying attention should be picking up a lot of what's going on. I think Lindelof, I'm paraphrasing, he, he pretty much said, I'm cheating if I don't leave you something on screen that you can like it. Oh, yeah, that, that he's, he's absolutely right. He's not just going to blindside you. Like, There's something that's supposed to lead you down the right path if you're paying attention. These kinds of shows have to do a, a masterful dance to be done well to where you they want to put something right in front of your face and have you not figure it out. Right. That's, that's when it's done perfectly. Oh, yeah. And it's a gorgeous thing when it happens. It's Fight Club or it's Sixth Sense. It's that whole like surprise. Yeah. You sh- really should have seen this coming. Yeah, but you end I want to be totally shocked. <laughs> it's actually a really good point. Uh, we are all Laurie Blake if things are done correctly. We're, we're going to sit down and he's even going to pull out the device and we're going to be like, what are you doing? And then we're going to fall into a trap door. Yeah. In the fucking living room. I, I hope so. I hope there's something really surprising in this last episode. I, I'm really curious about William. Um, I, 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 all this talk we've been doing about free will. Yeah. You know, has got me saying, okay, well, we've got a character named Will, you know, and he's a new whole cloth character. Well, not whole cloth because he was um, the Hood of Justice, but right. they named him Will. He didn't have to be Hood of Justice. Like, and I feel like all this conversation, John Calvin being called out. I love that the, the a pinnacle the, of the uh, vigilante movement comes to talk to the first of, of that in this episode. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I'd mostly just wish that John would try. <laughs> I know I know he thinks that the world, you know, and maybe he knows, maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like, like, why didn't he stop that guy who was on the cannon? Like, Well, to your point, if, if it goes that way, like, not only did he not stop him, he literally stands in her visual way. She can't see that guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, he could have easily zapped the guy. We know, oh, yeah. by the way, my best call of this week... My best call from weeks ago, the reason that I thought he had powers, one of the major reasons, one of my best evidences for it, was I said that on the white night, it cuts away right before right. Uh, she and dies. And she says Cal. And, and she says Cal, and then, you know, uh, we, yeah. and now we know what happened, and we, call, we called that shit, man. That was great. I love, I love, was I love a good call. Well, hold on. We, we did along with uh, Kendrick Tucker. Uh, we got to wrap up. I'm going to have to paraphrase, but can I go into his real quick? Yeah, yeah. Go into the uh, uh, his um, feedback from Kendrick Tucker. He, he does say, good day to you both. My favorite podcast. Thank you very much, sir. Woo. Um, thanks, buddy. Uh, and I will, as a show of respect, say, uh, Brother Day wrote us. Um, Brother Day. Yeah, he, he was super excited about the episode. I get it. Uh, it. He did have a good point. A, a lot of shows toward the end of a season and a frustratingly enough toward the end of a series finale we'll use flashbacks as a way to fill gaps and like go for that nostalgia dollar kind of thing mm-hmm. and he had a good point um they don't do that here they they do use flashbacks but they're constructive rather than just kind of uh i don't know uh, circular i guess yeah for sure. It's, and they're also telling stories in a way that ever since episode five, maybe, 
uh, every episode has been about a specific character, and they have shown some of the same events, but from that character's perspective. Yeah, doing so, a really good job of that. Episode um, five was Wade. Episode six was, um, uh, gosh, uh, was was uh, was William. Episode yeah. seven was Sister Knight, and now we got a episode completely from Doctor Manhattan's perspective. Oh, absolutely. Um, and he kind of talked about the interconnectivity of the show being able to flash back and forth. And, uh, yeah, I, I, he, he also was a huge proponent of, uh, the, the cow that cutaway being a, a, a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. He, he nailed that one as well. Um, he did wonder about this though. And it was, it was a fine point. I don't think it's going to play out this way, but it's a, it's a fine idea. And it had to do with uh, part of your predestination uh, theory is when Vite gets that horseshoe, um, to what extent is that a predetermined activity? And is this going to be, again, a circular activity? Is it a thing that like he's trapped in kind of a loop where he, he always gets that horseshoe, but the servants don't necessarily, because they're kind of flawed, don't always know when to give him that horseshoe. Hmm. Or to what extent does he kind of know that this is always a thing that happens? Um, well, I think the person I, who knows this is always a thing that happens is Dr. Manhattan. I don't, I, I don't see evidence of a time loop, but I do think that Dr. Manhattan knew what was supposed to happen and he gave incomplete information to his servants or that they're not very good at tracking whatever they need to be tracking. So they're, they've made mistakes. I think they're just flawed actors is my if if you had to ask me where that, yeah, I mean both are actionable, and I think the flawed actors thing is the one I'd lean to. Uh, like that they're just flawed. Yeah, that they're just not. Uh, <laughs> they're, it's not actually clockwork with them that they have flaws. Yeah, and part of that is just because of the imagery and it, what they've uh, tied a bow on it. Here is like it was the first or the second episode where he just eats the tomato. And he just spits it out like this isn't this isn't quite right. Right. And then this episode, they're doing the whole like smashing uh, tomatoes on square, his face. mashing the tomatoes in his face. Yeah. And he he just keeps spitting them out. Um, yeah, that that tomato was important. I knew that fucking tomato would be important. Oh yeah, it came back. It came back. Uh, you, <laughs> Everything does. Have we ever actually seen him? Because he spit out one tomato, and now he has them smashed on his face. Uh, what if? Oh shit! That would be my hell. Oh by the way. shit, I hate man! Fresh tomato. I just, I just, I just really hit on something with my brain. All right, go, go, go. <sighs> knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Tomato instead of apple. Tomato instead of apple, because it only says fruit in the Bible. Yeah. And t- technically, tomato is a fruit, so they're they're obscuring it because a lot of people think it's vegetable, but no, it's a fruit. Right. So, fruit of the tree gives you the knowledge of the good and evil. So, what if that that tree is the tree that allows you to get Manhattan's powers? <laughs> and it tastes bad, and so he keep he, we've never actually seen him eat it. He keeps spitting him, it he out. He spit it out, and in this one, they keep smashing on his face, and he keeps spitting. What if that tree gives him the power of the knowledge of good and evil in the Bible, but in this case, the the, the knowledge of everything that will will happen, the, the the Manhattan powers, the tree of knowledge. That's the tree of knowledge. They already made it an Eden reference, and then there's this fucking fruit that he keeps biting, and now we know he can imbue certain fruit with power. Possible. 
I think that's definitely real possible. possible. Oh man. Oh man, that's I, good. I definitely possible. I I think from an imagery standpoint, it makes more sense at least. It, even if it's just doubling down and and both are right, I I think it makes more sense to me at least that he just refuses to accept the knowledge of this version of Eden that that he would be the god that there would be a black and white relationship in the world that everything is so fucking simple you know hmm. um I, like he's his own snake in the grass which to me I, I, I as i say it i realize i'm relating to my own point earlier about him being a poisoner but i i think there's something about him just reject rejecting that version of eden well also all all this that we're talking about with free will predestination and uh Vite's abilities to change the world versus what it seems to be a Manhattan's plan to change the world and make something beautiful, as I keep saying. Uh, yeah. I, I think this has to do with something we talked about in the first episode of this podcast. We were talking about, um, well, the first episode based on this show, uh, we were talking about the, the idea that Vite did this thing thinking he was perfect and could make this decision for everyone. Um, and thinking he had all knowledge, and but there's a flaw in the plan. We kept talking about how there's a there's going to be a flaw in the plan, and the, the it didn't work. And now we've we've gotten back into a situation thirty years later that all this stuff's still happening. Oh, that's actually a a good mirroring. Is Veidt's flaw in the plan was the uncompromising nature of Rorschach, in a way. That and, and now- apparently Redford and humans desire for free will apparently president redford is refusing to do exactly what he says yeah he talks about they keep making their bombs well they keep making the bombs and i, I said he's still controlling things I, I he's not a godhead he but he's also he's he's releasing the squids and at times when it's going to affect global you know politics like he's he's picking his shots it's not willy-nilly. He is still trying to remind people. I, and the fact that it's tiny, uh, harmless squids, but the, it's still like something that's... You, you're not going to miss the point if you see it's tiny, harmless squids. You're going to be like, oh, tiny, harmless squids today, but tomorrow could kill my entire state. You know? Um, yeah. It, the, the fact that they're harmless is just, you know, a, a blessing in a way. Like that he's not being a vindictive god in his little world that he's built for himself. Um, but yeah, like the fact that he's still controlling things is he is still doing it, but he's confused and he's just trying to like rope humanity in kind of the same way he was before. Like his plan was flawed. It, it had, I mean, yeah, like human, uh, the, the, the sheer human spirit. He, he almost didn't calculate that. And the same way Manhattan now is. You look at the mirror imaging of, like, Manhattan tries to create a perfect thing, and, and the fucking tomatoes are wrong. Well, are they, though? Or, see, that's the thing. So, it seems like all this stuff is wrong. It seems like Crookshanks well, and, and Phillips are wrong. The ability to love is kind of a bastardization in his version. See, that's the thing. I think all of that. See, I think this is this is where... Still there to control Vite. I think all of that is there to control Vite. That's Could my because he because he he knows how it all ends up, but he, we Could also well we also have in this episode the the kink in my, my thought process. We also have in this episode they talk about regret and they talk about him regretting uh, building the uh, 
uh, regretting going to to uh, Vietnam. So we know he doesn't always make perfect decisions, but we also know that he's trying to do something here. And I don't think that it was Manhattan's plan to just go and live in a paradise. And I don't think it was his plan to just leave Vite in a paradise. And he knew all of this would happen. So I think it's all part of his plan and that these tomatoes, the the way that Crookshanks and Phillips are broken, all of that stuff... I think is part of his plan to make something beautiful out of the world. Just like Vite had a plan to make something beautiful out of the world. The question is, is can Dr. Manhattan pull it off because he has the powers of omniscience when Vite did not? I, I think we have, we're not. Okay. So going into the last episode, I think we have slightly opposing views on what, they're going for your yours is that this is part of his plan the entire time and that this is all going to work out in a certain clockmaker kind of way for me i'm kind of leaning into the idea that john wants to not know a couple things and that that i don't know that there may be some unpredictability there's some entropic effect some some variable that he almost didn't want to know about yeah. So I don't know. We'll have to see how that plays out. Yeah. But I think that's our own. I mean, you know, I, I think that's our major disagreement about what's maybe coming up for us in an episode. Yeah. No, man. I, I, I there's, there's, there's so much, there's so much more to talk about. I, I can't wait to hear where, where, where Wade comes in. It would be a shame not to give Wade some serious screen time coming up. And he wasn't in the trailer coming up as far as I saw. Right. I just watched it one time I think and it was he's very quick cutting, be, but it, I, I didn't I think that's it. deliberate. I think it's very deliberate. He's a child of the original event. Right. Well, I think Wade is going to be our last minute hero. You, you know, you know, the classic story trope where you take, you take one of your heroes off the board for the entire third act so that when he oh, yeah. shows up, you're surprised. I think that's no. Wade. Like what, just like in all the whatever Lord of the Rings, you take your one one army, you leave them out of the story for the whole third act so that they can like come riding in at the last second. Um, and I think no, that you, that's Wade. You leave a you you leave a bishop or a pawn on the side of the board, hoping that it's kind of unnoticed for later. Yeah. Or a bishop or a rook is what I meant to say, but still, <laughs> you don't. You try to leave something obfuscated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a storytelling device. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think it's about all for today, my friend. Uh, the only the only line I just had to bring up is because it was so good and so funny. It has nothing to do with all this theorizing. Uh, Love it. <laughs> that kind of appropriation is problematic now, John. <laughs> Fucking great. This isn't the 80s anymore, John. <laughs> that was good. Oh, so good. So good. I, was, I mean, it, it was. It was good. It was kind of like it, it... If anyone wanted to object to that, they at least threw that out there to be like, yeah, I know that that can be objectionable, but we're going to try to tell a story this way. Yeah. I, I don't think... Uh, yeah. Sure, sure, someone may be, but man, that actor's killing it, and he's getting so much cool stuff to do. I'm so, I'm so happy for that actor and 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 he's just killing it he's just awesome i, I can't and also I, I didn't realize he's an aquaman is he the oh he's black mana matt black mana okay cool yeah 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 I, I i liked him as black mana but i yeah i'm excited to see him in more stuff i just think he's been amazing and and playing as playing john osterman is is not no easy no easy feat it's just such a different no outside the human experience situation yeah. it's a very specific role to take on 
And yeah. by the way, it, it, you know, I'm sure they agreed to this before. I'm sure this was part of him signing on to do this, but in a way, I kind of loved that they had a moment where he does like full frontal. Oh uh, yeah. Because it makes so much fucking sense for the original material. Like even, even in new form, that actor is like, Nope, we're going full penis. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Made so much sense. That is very, very naked. That, yeah. The very naked, that man. Oh, and, and Vite has a great line in response. <laughs> it's like, because you're the only person who would have the balls to come to my house. Yeah. And your birthday. And soon. and just the fact that we got to see Karnak. Oh, yeah. That was pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. All right, guys. Well, that is all for us. We are going to get out of here uh, so we can get this thing posted uh, while it's still Monday. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but uh, thank you for listening. We are uh, we we do all kinds of podcasts, and uh, we so check them out. DC on screen, Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. If you're digging that what we're doing here, um, we really would appreciate it. We're diving in hard to the Crisis crossover right now on our thing. Oh yeah, man. Oh, big. We we did a big uh, Black Widow trailer discussion oh, this week. Yeah. Such a good trailer. Yeah, really good trailer. Um, we're getting back to new content, and I'm excited about that. We got nice multiple shows coming out in the next few weeks. Um, mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, that's it for us. We're out. Peace. And remember, we're not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with us. Thank you for listening to Who Watched the Watchmen. If you want to hear more from Jason Goss, check out the DC On Screen podcast. If you'd like to hear more from me, Matthew Carroll, check out the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, the Star Trek Universe podcast, or the Orville Universe podcast. I also make music, so you can check that out anywhere you get music. Just search for Matthew Carroll.